0: Good morning. So today we're going to jump into the end of 2nd Samuel, and this will end our kind of journey through 1st and 2nd Samuel, the books of that in the Old Testament. <clears throat> um, we're actually going to read quite a bit, so I think we're going to just get started right off the bat with the word. <coughs> so first I'm going to just say we're going to do chapters 23 and 24. We're not doing all of 23, um, and there's there's kind of a reason for that. Um, we'll do part of it, but I would like to ask that someone read. Uh, chapter 23, verse 1 through 23. Who can do that for me? <clears throat> I
1: can do it. What?
0: Okay, and then what I'd like you to do, when you're done with 23, I want you to skip all the way to the end, and just to kind of explain what's happening here, there's a narrative that goes through through 23, good morning, good morning. and then there's a list of the so-called 30 men and really, I don't, we don't need to go through all of that, except I want you, Laura, to read verse 39 at the very end, <laughs> Okay. because okay? yep. you're going to make the point there. Okay, go ahead when you're ready, please.
1: Okay. <clears throat> These are the last words of David. This is the message of David, son of Jesse, the man made great by the Most High God, speaks. He is appointed king of the God of Jacob. He is the sweet singer of Israel. The Lord's Spirit spoke through me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The Rock of Israel said to me, Whoever rules rules fairly over people who rules with respect for God is like the morning light at dawn, like a morning without clouds. He is like sunshine after rain that makes the grass sprout from the ground. This is how God has cared for my family. God has made a lasting agreement with me, right and sure in every way. He will accomplish my salvation and satisfy all my desires. But all evil people will be thrown away like thorns that cannot be held in a hand. No one can touch them except with a tool of iron or wood. They will be thrown in the fire and burned where they lay. David's army. These are the names of David's warriors. Josheb Basibeth, the tachamonite Te- was the head of the three. He killed 800 men at one time. Next was Elizer, son of Dodai the height. Elizer was one of the three soldiers who were with David when they challenged the Philistines. The Philistines were gathered for battle and the Israelites drew back. But Eliezer stayed where he was and fought the Philistines until he was so tired his hand stuck to his sword. The Lord gave a great victory for the Israelites that day. The troops came back after Eliezer had won the battle, but only to take weapons and armor from the enemy. Next, there was Shammah, son of Agi the right? The Philistines came together to fight in a vegetable field. Israel's troops ran away from the Philistines, but Shammah stood in the middle of the field and fought for it and killed the Philistines, and the Lord gave a great victory. Once, three of the thirty, David's chief soldiers, came down to him at the cave of Adullam during harvest. The Philistine army had camped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and some of the Philistines were in Bethlehem. David had a strong desire for some water. He said, Oh, I wish someone would get me water from the well near the city gate of Bethlehem. So the three warriors broke through the Philistine army and took water from the well near the city gate of Bethlehem. Then they brought it to David, but he refused to drink it. He poured it out before the Lord, saying, May the Lord keep me from drinking this water. It would be like drinking the blood of the men who risked their lives. So David refused to drink it. These were the brave things that the three warriors did. Abishai, brother of Joab, son of Zerua, was captain of the three. Abishai fought 300 soldiers with his spear and killed them. He became as famous as the three and was more honored than the three. He became their commander even though he was not one of them. ben son of Jehoiada, was a brave fighter from Kab- Kabzil who did many mighty things. He killed two of the best warriors from Moab. He also went down into a pit and killed a lion on a snowy day. ben Ben-Nani killed a large Egyptian who had a spear in his hand. Ben and I had a club, but he grabbed the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These were the things that Ben and I, son of Jehoiada, did. He was as famous as the three. He received more honor than the 30, but he did not become a member of the three. David made him a leader of his bodyguards. And then verse 39 is, and Uriah the Hittite, there were 37 in
0: all. Okay, <clears throat> thank you. So let's just start with your reflection on what you've just read. And, and given... We've been through a lot of content in 1st and 2nd Samuel, which is the narrative, of course, of the beginning of the monarchy of Israel. So it started with Samuel, the last prophet, or I'm sorry, the last judge of Israel, the first anointed king, Saul, and then the second anointed king, David. And at the end here, remember, if you remember, a couple weeks ago during my, um, my uh, message in the main service, I made the comment that it looks like the end of Second Samuel is a bit of an epilogue or a footnote that was added later. What what do you, given that, what do you take from this passage? What what's the message you're getting from this?
1: I think they wanted to kind of specifically talk about the different soldiers in the army and what they accomplished through God. <coughs> okay.
0: Yep. Soldiers of Israel accomplished through God. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yep. What else? What does it sound like when you say what they accomplished through God? Does it sound like some mediocre battles where things seem to be evenly matched?
2: No. It's definitely showing that the hand of God was with them because they were able to overcome overwhelming odds and not only survive but to conquer
3: those,
2: those enemies.
0: This was, this was success. In the face of overwhelming opposition, so <clears throat> when you read about how one guy kills several men, you know uh, he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Well, that implies that he is taking a lot of enemies out, and he's kind of doing it all by himself. so this is this is absolutely right, Rodney that. We're seeing here the author of Second Samuel wants to make the point that not only was God giving the victory to the armies of Israel, but it was it was like David and Goliath all over again. It was like David and Goliath every week. Oh, we've got another battle coming up, guys. Guess what? We got three guys and we got a thousand of them. Let's go! <laughs> right, and they're doing it. They're well, doing it. Sounds it. Hollywood. Well, it's yeah. Like that's exactly it. Taking
3: on everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's taking the entire, you know, David <laughs> had terrorist his, force out. <clears throat> it's more like Rambo. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: David <laughs> had his on 30,
4: his but,
2: uh, you know, the, oh, what's the movie, 300? Yeah. Yeah, you know, there you go. Sparta, Sparta had the 300, David had his 30, so plus seven.
0: Well, we like a challenge, right? Right. We don't want to be had, bored. Gideon had
2: 300. <laughs>
0: yes. That's it. That's exactly it. Um... So I think I think that's exactly it. Um, you know, I think this is, this piece is added. It's kind of you know like the last two chapters, a little bit more of of the battles that were happening probably when David was younger. <coughs> what do you notice about David in this piece? How much is David mentioned? Very minimally. Very little. And I think that's I think that's on <coughs> purpose. <coughs> and it'll become more apparent as we get to 24. David not mentioned
3: much. You think that's in spite of David or because of David? Good question, what do you think?
0: It seems like we've had a lot of narrative of David, right, over and over and over again. David led his men, David led his men, David was victorious, David was victorious. All of a sudden now it's his men who are victorious. The army of Israel, and I think that was that was a, um, a purposeful piece here. What and when Laura said, it is. It's what the soldiers of Israel accomplished through God. At this point, the people of Israel are accomplishing through God. Um,
3: well, Second Chronicles at um, seven fourteen, it, it says, "If you stay with God, follow His uh, uh, decrees, He will fight your battles for you." Nice. And it still applies to us today because in, in, in our little areas that we, have, mm-hmm. we keep for the news or whatever, we always see somebody overcoming overwhelming odds. I love it.
0: I love it. That's great. Um, I want to back up for just a minute. When you start here with the last words of David and again, so this first section that we have, it's kind of like two pieces. Well, it's actually like three pieces, right? You've got the last words of David, which seems like a poem or a song. Then you have the exploits of David and his mighty men. And then you have a third piece at the end, which we didn't read, which is really his cabinet, right? A lot of these names will, will seem familiar if you read it. We're not gonna read it in class here. Um, it appears as though the author is trying to, you know, review the case that he actually had a functioning cabinet or bureaucracy to help lead. Um the first part that we look at, this song, we, it says the last words of David, but it's not the last words of David. It appears to be the last words, um, maybe the last song of David. Because as we get into 1 Kings, there will be a little bit more of what David said and did um, before he actually died. But when you read this piece, what, what do you see here? The oracle of David, son of Jesse, oracle of a man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. Goes on to say the God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said, when one rules over men in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he's like the morning at sunrise, like the brightness after the rain. Who is he talking about there? Who is he talking about? Is he talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? And while you're thinking about that, that answer, <clears throat> I'm gonna refer you to the Hebrew, which again, I'm not a Hebrew expert. This is what others have, have told me, and I look it up, and it seems to fit with me. <clears throat> this is what it, uh, the Hebrew is saying. Your translation of verse five might say something like, and I can't remember, Laura, if yours says it this way, is not my house right with God? Is that what your translation is saying? Has he not made me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part, and almost like a, na- a positive? Like, has he not blessed me? That's the way the NIV translation is. I don't know about yours. The Hebrew is actually just negative. It's just negative. And this is the way it reads in the Hebrew. Because my house has not been thus with God, he will not bring to fruition my salvation with all of my desire. Now, that is a whole different perspective on verse 5. When it says it that way, what is, what is the text saying about the house of David in 1000 BC? And what is it saying about the future? Has David fulfilled all of the so called requirements to be the anointed one? No. What is it saying?
2: Saying that you know that hasn't come to fulfillment yet, that's going to come in the future.
0: Think you're referring to Jesus? He's not
2: the the Messiah.
0: And this is what Christians have interpreted for two thousand years, since the coming of Christ: is that they, you know, the, the the Jews of the period would look at that and say, well, maybe or maybe they're not talking about David because, again, remember, David was the archetype for something to come that was much greater. And, in fact, God promises earlier in 2 Samuel that David's house will be the house in which the anointed one will arise. But after Christ comes, it, you start to reinterpret this and go, wait a minute, they're not even talking about David here. They're talking about his house, which is his family. <clears throat> but I think it's very telling that at the end of 2 Samuel, What kind of light are we shedding on David himself, the man? He was just a man. Oh my gosh. David, and we'll say just a man. What kind of man? Righteous man. He was righteous and what else? Flawed. Um, I think you see here at the end of 2 Samuel, the author starts to make the case that David was just a flawed man. Now, he had a lot of righteous qualities, um, a lot of great qualities, but he also sinned. And in fact, when we get into chapter 24, this is all going to make a lot of sense because chapter 24 is the second of two great sins that David commits in his life. <clears throat> we have a flawed guy. The Hebrew is saying the fulfillment of the anointed one has not happened yet. That leads us to believe that someone much greater is coming. And we, of course, would say that that is Jesus of Nazareth. The anointed one has not come yet. Now, David praises God. And certainly, you know, you have to remember, too, that in the Old Testament, when the text refers to either. We'll say, I'll write down here. The anointed one. Or the son of God. In the Old Testament, who is this referring to? <coughs> Generally. Generally. The king. The king. So it actually has two meanings. When someone says the Son of God, almost always in the Old Testament, and even, you know, even a Christian scholar will say this is true, it's not talking about Jesus. It's talking about the king. The king is the, the representative of God on earth. He is anointed because you have to be anointed in order to take that office, right? And once David becomes the king, it's his line or his family that is the anointed line, the right, or righteous line for Israel and their kings. This text seems to be implying something else that not only is that true in general, but specifically, we're saying what?
5: We're talking about the Messiah. For someone to be anointed, someone has to anoint. And who would that be? And that would be God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we tend to put the anointed up at the top, right? Yeah. But someone still has to do the anointing. <laughs> There's a the top of the top, right? Yeah, I mean, it just it demands that someone anointed him. Mm-hmm. Well, word. didn't
0: Samuel do that? Samuel did, but he was just a human acting on behalf of... You know, someone else, right? Yeah, but he's doing it for God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, but yes, he's doing it for God. That's absolutely right. So it, you know, kind of you know, doesn't matter in some some regard who the human was doing it. Um, so now we're talking about the Messiah, and this is this is a big kind of you know lead in to what's going to happen in the New Testament. Um, and I will also say here that, again, we have the luxury of a lot of this content has been replicated, so to speak, in 1 Chronicles. So I believe David's fighting men, or mighty men, has a parallel in 1 Chronicles 11. So, so this is where, again, you remember in, in the message again, if you were in there, um, part of what you can do, which is awesome if you are a biblical scholar or you're a reader of the Bible or the Word of God, you can take the whole Bible together and understand what it's trying to say. In this case, and certainly in chapter 24, in a minute we're about to talk about, you have the benefit of there is the same content written about twice, at least twice in the Bible. You, take, you need to take both of those pieces and compare them side by side. And then you get a much fuller picture of what's happening here. Um, some of the pieces that might not be mentioned in one would be mentioned in the other, and then you can have a much a broader view of what's happening here. Um, okay. Okay. And for instance, just, just in case you care, in, in verse 9, <coughs> it talks about uh, Eliezer, the son of Dodai, blah, blah, blah. They taunted the Philistines gathered at Pass damim Now, Pass damim is not mentioned. Actually, the Hebrew of 23, it's mentioned in 1 Chronicles. But again, it's exactly the same as what I mentioned a couple <coughs> weeks ago. You take the pieces and fill them in and have a much bigger picture of what's happened. Okay. <coughs> That's really all I want to say about this And then we have the very last piece here That, that Laura read Verse 39 We have this section The last section Which is the cabinet of David right? His, his you know, chief of staff his, his head of the army And so on and so forth Who is this very last guy <laughs> That Laura read And Uriah the Hittite The one that David had killed Why is that in there, Rodney? Why is that in there?
2: I think it was showing that not only did David have one of his best fighters killed is what you know, I think David probably knew him personally.
0: okay? Why is that why is that the very last one that's mentioned? I'll put on to you. Maybe, maybe we need to read 24 to understand it, but it's very telling that this is in there. Remember the first great sin that David committed was what? Yeah. Counting. Say it again Counting the That's the second one We're about to read that There's a first one that happens When he's a little younger and energetic <laughs> the
1: He steals Bathsheba Bathsheba
0: yeah. The wife of Uriah the Hittite Bathsheba, beautiful woman Is bathing on the, uh, the rooftop Next to the king's palace And the king who should be at war But is staying home Is looking out Because he's got nothing better to do Right? sees this beautiful naked woman bathing on the housetop next to him, and guess what? One thing leads to another. Humans are humans. And a very terrible sin occurs in which David sleeps with her, and he's married to someone else. Actually, (coughs) we'll go into that later. He's married, and he commits adultery with Bathsheba. But that's not the worst part of it. It's Mm -hmm. terrible. Once he commits that sin of adultery with Bathsheba, he then gets her pregnant, which causes... A big issue because her husband is off at war. Uriah the Hittite is going and fighting for David and he hasn't been home for months. So guess who the baby is going to belong to? Well, it's not Uriah the Hittite and things will get found out. So David has Uriah brought back, tries to entice him to sleep with his wife. He won't because he's supposed to be with his men on the battlefield and he refuses to sleep with his wife nobly. So David has him killed in battle. He has his troops basically kind of back off in the the moment of a terrible uh, siege and Uriah is killed because he has no defense. A terrible sin. One (coughs) sin leading to another and a snowball. So that was his first great sin and it caused a lot of problems with David and his leadership and with Israel for the next several years. Now, we've kind of maybe forgotten about that by this point. We've we've kind of, you know, gone on to hear all the other exploits and this and that happening. um, Rebellion. All of a sudden we get this list and Uriah the Hittite pops right back in. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, pick your favorite movie. All of a sudden the bad guy or maybe the guy that was wronged like in Act 1 that you completely forgot about in Act 3 shows up with an axe or something or, you know, the guy you thought was dead. He shows up, you know, half burned, but he's going to still try and kill the good guy. And you're like, (coughs) didn't that guy
3: die already? Suddenly Uriah the Hittite, you're like, oh, Uriah, Uriah. What got me with what he did was he sent the note. For Joab back with Uriah to tell Joab to put Uriah right on the front line so he get killed. He sent a note with Uriah to give to Joab to kill him.
0: Oh, the whole thing stinks. Huh? <laughs> the whole thing stinks. The whole thing is a horrible tragedy. And, uh, and funny, you should mention Joab because we're going to talk about him again. But I want you to think about that. We've got Uriah mentioned right at the end of this list here, and now we're about to read chapter 24. We're going to read the entire thing, the second great sin of David. Chapter 24, the entire thing, verses 1 to 25. Who would like to read that for me?
2: I'll
5: read it. Thanks, sir. <laughs> now again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it, and it incited David... Against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. The king said to Joab, the commander of the army, who was with him, Go about now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and register the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my Lord the king still see. But why does my Lord (coughs) the king delight in this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to register the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and camped at Aror on the right side of the city that is in the middle of the valley of Gad toward Jazir. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatim Hadshi, and they came to Danjon and around to Sidon and came to the fortress of Tyre to all the cities of the Hivites and of the Canaanites. And, then, and they went out to the south of Judah, to Beersheba. So, that, so when they had gone about through the whole land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and 20 days. <coughs> and Joab gave, <coughs> gave the number of the registration of the people to the king And there were in Israel 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000 men. Now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David. Thus the Lord says, I am offering you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, which I will do to you. <clears throat> so Gad came to David and, t- and told him and, s- and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and see what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord set set pestilence upon Israel from the morning until the appointed time, and 70,000 men of the people of Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand towards Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, It is enough. Now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord (coughs) was by the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and said, Behold, it is I, Who have sinned, and it is I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what they, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. So Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. David went up according to the word of God, just as the Lord had commanded. Arana looked down and saw the king and his servants crossing over towards him, and Arana went out and bowed his face to the ground before the king. Then Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be held back from the people. Arana said to David, Let my lord the king take up and offer what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges of the yokes of the oxen for the wood, everything, O king, Arana gives to the king, and Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. However, the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel.
0: Thank you, sir. <clears throat> what just happened? <laughs>
4: what just happened? Well, if you go back to 23. He was probably reminiscing. Like, this is great. This is awesome. You know, and maybe remembering things. And then, as he's praising God, there's probably Satan right there, and maybe put something on his heart. Like, do you have? You know, and where, where's your trust lying? So maybe in the, in the beginning, you, you know, hold the trust of God. You know, the reason why he was so successful is because of him, but then quickly faded away You order to know how you know, big his army was.
0: That is exactly it. Thank you, Roger. That is exactly it. And And when we read it today, we, you know, maybe you're not into the word, or maybe, you know... It it might strike you as odd, but you come across this passage, which happens to be the very last one, and you're like, oh, we've had had some flowery stuff at the end. We've had some great battles. All of a sudden, the very last chapter of 2 Samuel is one of the worst for David. One of the worst at the very end. And you're reading it like, well, why does it matter what a census is? Why is taking a census bad? In today's modern age, most developed countries have a form of counting their population. And you got it. You got it. The answer here is David relied on his men, yeah. on the number of men that he had for his strength and his pride and his character. I was going to say that's what I thought was pride right away,
2: that this was more of a pride thing. Look what I have accomplished. I have you know 120,000 fighting men or whatever, or yep. 1.2 million actually. Yeah you know look what what i have accomplished this great kingdom i have built and i was like thinking oh gosh i'm sure glad my if i have a sin of pride it doesn't cost 70,000
3: lives (laughs) you know he's bidding on what his his man would do Mm -mm. instead of what god would do in his man and Marna, that's
0: exactly it now let's just rewind one chapter. We just got done being told by the author of Second Samuel what? How many men does it take to be successful on the battlefield? One, one with God. As many as God decides. That's it. And what did you say? I said one with God. That's <laughs> it. That is exactly the, that's it. It's as many as when God is on your side, it doesn't matter how many. It doesn't matter. And I, and I don't think this is a mistake that the author put 23 right before 24. It's not. It's not a mistake.
1: You know how like God always tells us that he'll give us a way out of temptation. Yep. And I think this is this chapter shows evidence of that where David's gonna sin and yep. Joab tells him, You don't need to do this. Like he's trying to tell him, like talk sense sense into him. I don't mean to your mouth. And like so God's giving him a way out of his sin there <coughs> and he doesn't take it.
5: <laughs> well it took seventy thousand men dying to for him to get it, I mean that. I was thinking it's interesting which one he picks. Yeah, you brought three very bad choices. He picks the one that will affect him that the least. Didn't cost him. Either.
0: It's it's interesting because you know a scholar looks at this and goes, what probably the take home here? Remember, some of this is inferred. Right, is it sounds like it's it, you know, that the amount of casualties may be the same. It's probably going to be 70,000 people will die. Now, you can either have that extended over three or seven years, depending on the Hebrew, or you can have it over three weeks, or you can have it over three days, right? Now, again, I think you just said this. What is David thinking? He's thinking of the thing that will affect him the least. Why? Because yes. it's not the people he cares about. <laughs> it's <laughs> David said, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let who fall into the hands of men? Yeah. Me. Well, let him you know, drought. I don't care. Uh, well, this I got the a cigarette. J- I got a job to do. <laughs>
5: That's it. I'm a king. I got a, I've I got a chased board. enough of my happens life, I don't need any more chasing. How <laughs> many would die if I go? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if I die, then they're all... A, Subject to death.
2: Now, we even can't, though, you know,
5: God said he would be
2: chased for what was it, three months? Right. He didn't say that he would
0: die. He would be captured. He had to
2: live uncomfortably right. on the edge. But he's yeah. done that before. Right. Exactly. But, like you know, it's like.
6: It's a little more used to cushion them. I'm yeah, way better. Yeah. That's it. And he's an old <laughs> man good. now,
2: so, you know, being chased for three months is probably a lot harder. But yeah, he did take the least of things that would affect him.
0: But I, I love, love this. this. And I love Joab, and I know, say what you will about Joab, and he's got his dark, he's got his dark parts. There are times... <laughs> Joab is an interesting character. He might be one of the top ten people, if I could go back in history, and maybe, you know, of course, you know, depending on your view of heaven and what that looks like, you, you might know who Joab was as a man. I want to meet the guy. Because he sounds like a very interesting character.
1: Like, he could have, like, taken over Israel. Or, like, yeah. he could have tried anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, there were yeah. many opportunities for him to be like, I'm going to...
4: Start at least you yep. know.
1: But he he knew that that wasn't God's plan for him, you know. I don't know. He's very interesting. I did it for nine
4: months. Counting
0: these people for nine months, I'm sure he. This does could not be fun. Mean, this, yeah. is not gonna That's <laughs> That's this is not going to end That's it. Nine months, months of, of I, this is wrong. wrong. Yeah, and the king went
2: around Joab to make it happen.
0: <laughs> this is another interesting overlap again, 1 Chronicles 21, I want to encourage you, read your Bible, read it every day, look at 1 Chronicles 21, which is, is a recounting of 2 Samuel 24. In that narrative, the author of Samuel left out something kind of important, that Joab, after going through the 10 tribes, stopped at Benjamin and Levi, because he thought it was ridiculous, and he wasn't going to keep doing that anymore, so he just went home and he reported what he had seen for the other 10. That's interesting. Because in a kind of way, he's disobeying the king there. That's treason. Again, he's disobeyed David so many times. Is that the southern tribe, two tribes? Benjamin is the tribe of um, right next to Judah. So it's the tribe um, basically adjacent to Jerusalem. And Levi is the tribe member of, of priests who didn't have their own land, per se. They had cities of refuge, but they were essentially um, not and a mm-hmm. member. Again, this is a side thing. In, in Israel, land meant power and money. If you, had mu- if you had land, you had agriculture, you had livestock, you had the means to manufacture um, goods and services, and thus it meant you were wealthy and powerful. The Levites, God specifically did not give land because he didn't want them to rely on the land for their power and wealth. He wanted them to rely on who to give them money? God. God and people. the Israelites. Like a virtual tribe. Exactly. That's a great way to put it, actually. Virtual. An online. An online. He like tried. <laughs> really e- um, but to rewind here, so what does Joab do? And I want to make this point. Remember, every time we have a conversation in this class, I want you to be thinking, what's the take home message here? What is the action item for me? Well, maybe in your life it's not counting your troops. <laughs> um, But it could be, and I'm going to get back to that in a minute. One of the take-home messages I think we need to have here is this. I think if you are a righteous person, meaning you are imbued with righteousness through your belief that Jesus is the Messiah, and thus you are imputed with his righteousness, God gives you ways out of your sin and your error through righteous counsel. Who is the people giving you righteous counsel in your life if you're a brother or sister in Christ? See how I join the crowd here? It's you. Our brothers and sisters. Your brothers and sisters, and your leaders of the church and the Scripture, the Holy Word. You have so many. You have so many resources at your disposal. Now I'll challenge you, as I am challenged. What happens when someone gives you righteous counsel? Often. shut up I'm smarter than
3: class. who what do you know <laughs> I read a it's double a bad. you don't know me yeah. you don't that's know it. anything <laughs> that's exactly it you don't know me you slam walk away. <clears throat> i read a commentary that um when jonathan was killed that was Dave, david's equal and he he so now that's he's good. king he doesn't have anybody to be, to be equal to him rattle his cage and say this is wrong because the the Bathsheba thing is He was having dinners, all of his men and their wives at the yeah. thing, so he's seen Meshiba before. And Jonathan would have caught his eye uh, going over there, and he would have said, hey, David, you're doing this wrong. And then the, the census thing, Jonathan, if Jonathan was there, he would have been able to confront him and, since they were equals. Mm-hmm. I want to make
0: a really good point about that. I think that's a good point, Dan, in that... We, I think it gets at this thing about, well, who are you to tell me? Righteous, right? Um, Good leaders take counsel from others. Good leaders tend to take counsel from who? The people either at that level or above, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, okay, boss, you just said this. I'm going to take your counsel. Good leaders as opposed to great leaders don't Mm -hmm. take it from where?
6: Below. Down below. Non-Christians?
0: It could be that. It could be non-Christian. It could be, you know, if you're a manager or, you know, a a colonel, uh, you might uh, have uh, people who work under you or for you. They might give you counsel. I think the difference between a good and a great leader is a great leader listens to the people, no matter what status or or place in society they have.
1: Um. I think the caveat to all that is just... People could also give you bad counsel because we're also infallible. And, and I think know. it's this. Yeah,
0: and I so think I that's think why I think you wrote have that. to, like, yep.
1: instead of just being like, you don't know anything, whatever, yeah. you take what people mm-hmm. say and then you read your Bible and you pray for the Holy Spirit to tell you, you mm-hmm. know, like to either soften your heart to what they're saying or you let the to see that it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. right. That's why
3: counsel should be plural so you get more than one other input. And so
0: you could have. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one because what happens when you only listen to a certain group of people? Well, then you're a cult, yeah. and I'm not going to name the names. You just drive around Ankeny, and you will see the buildings that belong to people who claim to be Christian who are not. They One of their fundamental flaws is they will tell you, unless you listen to what brother so-and-so, a leader of this particular institution says, you're going to hell and you're going to be kicked out of your family, and you're wrong. And the problem with that is, who are they not saying you should go to? God. God and his word. So start with the word. If it contradicts the word, that's a big, that's a big problem. If it contradicts what God is telling you through prayer and insight, that's a problem. And here, again, and I make the case, righteous counsel. Again, test, test the word, but listen listen and and a lot of times when are you going to get counsel <laughs> when you're doing things right yeah. you might it's kind of the 80 20 rule right I'm especially sure if you work in service 20 th- percent of the time people say you're doing a great job but 80 percent, it's usually what <laughs> feedback is <coughs> well, you like saw he
3: okay. was the only one that was saying it right and everybody else is wrong so maybe that's the 99 one rule right
0: yeah. i'm sorry laura i cut you off what were you saying there?
1: no i just um i'm pretty sure i studied this one time and I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think that it says in the law that they're not allowed to do a census, like without God issue, like telling them to do it. But
0: I will refer you. Not, I'm not sure. Yeah, we will we will talk about the, at least this for Deuteronomy 17 here. Um, in fact, let's do that. This is a good example of using the word to inform what you should and shouldn't be doing. Who would like to read Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 21 for me?
6: When you come to the land that the Lord your God has given you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself, or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return to that way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. And when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself in a book a copy of this law approved by the Levitical priests. And it shall be with him, and he shall read in it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by keeping all the words of this law and these statutes and doing them. That his heart may not be lifted up above his brothers, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment, either to the right hand or to the left, so that he may continue in his kingdom, may continue long in his kingdom, he and his children in Israel.
0: How many things did David break there? The wives' <laughs> for sure. Wives for, for sure. Horses. What is the horses getting at? What is horses getting at there? Number no of soldiers. soldiers. Power, look, if you have horses, you have chariots. <coughs> Driven by horses, you are powerful. We're, look, we're in the age, there's no <coughs> tanks, there's no drones, there, you know. there's no F-22 jet fighters. The technology of the period is missiles, which is arrows, or rocks thrown down from on high, spears and swords, of course. Um, siege works like battering rams, and mobile infantry, and mobile infantry, or mobile vehicles, were animals. If you had horses, horses were powerful, powerful. They're getting it. Don't rely on yourself. Goodness, how many times has God said this to the people of Israel? Don't rely on your numbers. Don't rely on your physical size. Why? Time and again, have I not proven to you that I will take care of you no matter what? Gideon and the 300, right? How many times does that story happen? And yet, and if you find the census one, that's, I don't know if you're looking it up. Um, I feel like you're right about that. I don't know, I couldn't find it. (laughs) Um, That's it.
1: Also, we don't have any uh, evidence that he kept a copy of the teachings (laughs) with him and read from it every day of his life. You know, I think most of the kings. We don't have evidence that any of the kings did that, and that until
0: perhaps Josiah's, Josiah's. reform. Yeah. And so here's the question: the next action item. What does that tell you?
6: And on God, and stop praising yourself.
0: <clears throat> I think we forget when we talk about
5: David a lot. We, we remember all this great stuff he did, and typically that's where we go with David: is man, he was a mighty king, and yeah. You know, Conqueror, and he did all this stuff, and we yeah. kind of forget the, that our, our nature is not necessarily that. Yeah. And with God, we can become good, we can have victory, we can <clears throat> do those things. Um, this kind of points out to me as I look through this it's like, you know, he's just a flawed man, but he was also a righteous man. Mm-hmm. You know, he was both, and the, the flawed was innate, and the, the righteous was granted was given to him was because he did <clears throat> trust god i mean it's it's our lives right we are, we do we don't we do trust and we don't trust and that's
1: it. the good example like a good thing that we should about david that we should definitely follow is when he was wrong when he was wrong about Bathsheba, he immediately said he didn't say you don't know anything he was like you're right it was 100% my fault and he mourned his sin and same as you know here once he did commit the sin he you know he said I'm the one who sinned and did wrong and I think what we're I think we're very resistant resistant to doing that
0: how many of you I love to pick on social media I get a lot of grief for it but it's true (laughs) it's I'm right I'm only right about this How many of you, when confronted on social media with your flaws, say you are right, person who just posted? I'm the wrong one. Thank you for pointing that out at me. How many of us do that? I'm not going to raise my hand.
4: So
0: I don't post anything. Ah, there you go.
1: (laughs) That's (laughs) it. But see, it's because it takes away the personal aspect of it, Uh, right? Like we need to have (coughs) righteous counsel, but it has to be personal. We have to have relationships with people so that you know. Like, if I say something to you, Brian, because we have a relationship, it has more weight. Yeah. You know how I behave, yep. and, you know, heart, and so it, you know my heart, and so then it has more weight than somebody on Facebook that you don't really know posting something. There's no relationship there. You don't know how they are with God, or, you this know. Is
6: this is
0: exactly
1: Where it. their heart is. How?
6: can't
0: hear <clears throat> tone or anything like that, and you yeah. can take
6: it whatever way
0: you... I'm sorry, but every time I read a text, I read it as bad, <laughs> no matter what it says. Hey, are you having a great day? Well, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> well, and I think, think too
2: that um, you know part of that in there uh, in the Deuteronomy also said that the king <clears throat> shall not think of himself as any better than the other people, you know, so that's why he had those rules around it, mm-hmm. and I think that's for leaders in general. Yeah. You, you need to humble yourself mm-hmm. and be amongst your people, mm-hmm. you know, amongst your sheep, and not consider yourself more lofty than than others. I love it. So I love it.
4: That could be really applied to any of us in here. Like, don't
2: mm-hmm.
4: don't think yourself better than everybody else. No. Mm-hmm. Don't rely on your your silver and gold. Yeah. I mean, how many times? I mean, I, I feel more comfortable when I have a little bit more in the bank account, you know, but I'm not supposed to rely on that. Rely on the one that I actually yep. provided. Don't rely on the position I have at work. The only reason why I'm there is by the grace of God. That's it. I want it. A lot of times we forget it. We forget how we got there, why we're there, and really wherever we are in our life with God, we have a job to do for Him, regardless. It's like you never really arrive. You know what I'm saying? You know, yep. At what point in your life do you arrive? It's like this is exactly where God wants me to be. If you are where you are because God put you there,
0: we all have a, a job to do. I, I want to get back to what Laura and I agree, thank you, brother. That is absolutely right. I want to get back to one thing Laura mentioned about who do you trust for your counsel? It's people you have a personal relationship with. I want to ask you then the next question. Well, how do you develop personal relationships with people? Let's let's say your personal relationship should be with your brothers and sisters in Christ. <clears throat> how often? Are you communing with those brothers and sisters in Christ once every Sunday for an hour? I'm going to be soapbox here. Here's my soapbox of the day. (laughs) You can't develop deep relationships with people with one hour a week. Just like you can't develop a relationship with your children if you work all day and take the subway home only to tuck them in at night. (laughs) You can't. Time is money, is effort, is results, is relationships. The longer you spend with someone, the deeper your personal relationship is going to be with them. Get out of your comfort zone. Make time. And I say this, too, about priorities. You know, your priorities in life will be made apparent by how much time and effort you spend on them. What is what is the think in your t- in your list in your head, the five things in your life that you spend the most time on outside of eating and sleeping and bathing, for instance. You know, activities that that are not just part of, you know, keeping yourself alive. What what would you say they are? And 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 again, don't be shy here. Tell me tell me the answer. What do you think? Work. Work. And this isn't necessarily in any order, so I'll just I'll just write them. Work. What else? Go on the top,
5: I mean, we spend. It probably is. We all spend forty hours or yeah. more at work. So, what yeah. else? Leisure activities. Leisure.
0: I don't even know how to spell that. See how I'm like humble. That's,
2: that's not right. At all. I don't
4: know.
0: <laughs> that's close. That is not even close. Jeez, how about fun, them, bro? Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what else? Cleaning. Okay. You know, um, you know, chores maybe. I don't know. Spring cleaning
6: week, he's bitter. <laughs> Our family.
0: Okay. Family. family. There you go. Now now we're getting somewhere. And, and you know, that can mean different things, but I'm going to say here you're kind of, you know, for lack of a better way, your home family.
5: Can I can I just throw a token god up
0: there so we can Oh, well, at least we're right out of room come here. On, I don't come on, know, we we know we what to tell you. Office. There's God, okay. Well, and when you say God, what do you mean by that? What is that? It's Pretty much you?
5: everything. I mean, it, as long as he filters through all the rest of that. Okay, that's, that's
3: fair. Some people may mean God with one way, and other people may think God of a different way God. Mm-hmm. So you don't know which, unless you know Him, you don't know which one they're talking about. Hmm? I
5: mean, I...
0: You know, I could, li- I could list off all the,
5: you know, devotions, Bible reading, prayer, yeah. blah, blah, blah. That's stuff, fine, and you
0: know, I think that's the point, is to give an there's, example. There's yeah. that group. Yep. Of,
5: uh, I want to say, that, and that's why I say everything, but yep. there's, there's that, that we, that we tend in our mind to say, well, these are the things that I, the checklist, right, that proves to myself and him, I guess, that I'm spending time with him, but trusting him. Loving others.
6: (laughs) Maybe talking to your other, to your personal, your other family that don't go to church and telling them, you know, you haven't gone for a while and uh, they believe in things that they shouldn't believe in and saying, you know, maybe you should talk to this person. You know, maybe you should go to church, go to senior supper because my grandparents (laughs) need to go. I think
5: think we said in a very... Opportunistic time right now because we've we've spent a year of not really sure do we go to church mm-hmm. do we not go to church do I wear a mask or all of that stuff kind of puts us in a place. I called Junior Baca mm-hmm. the other Good. day. Yeah, I was working over kind of by his house, everybody's house. Um, and I'm like, hey, I, there's his white fence. I'm going to call him. You know, and I called him and I or, and we you know we chatted a little bit. What have you been up to? Miss you. Haven't seen you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's doing. You know, been working a lot, he said, with his new job. I'm like, okay, well, sure would love to see you, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a God thing. That's yeah. not a, he and I had a friendship that went about as deep as sitting here on yeah. Sunday mornings. Yep. And we sat on his porch one mm-hmm. day and chatted while mm-hmm. it rained. <coughs> but just to remember it was a, I, and it wasn't me, I'm, I'm not taking credit for this. God's like, hey, you should call that guy out. You know, that's what I mean by God. I love it.
0: Here's what I want to kind of wrap up with. It's, it's two things. One is the priority idea. This is, this is one thing I want to talk about. The second is counting. <laughs> counting your, how do I say this? Um, your assets. For lack of a better way. On the priority front, I really want to drive this home If you write down for the next week How much time you spend on all of the things That you consider important in life I want you to add up how much time you're spending on them And then I want you to have a, an honest conversation with God about that Because this the, the actual facts will tell you If you're, you're kind of lined up with what God is expecting Don't get me wrong, work is important Family is important, of course it is Having fun and enjoying your life is important, contrary to what some will tell you. Um, The question is, are the things that that should be kind of at the higher part of the list, and again, every week is different, I get that, maybe it's over the course of a year, what things are you spending the most time on, and what are you spending the least on? And I think it will convict you, because this idea of relationship You'll know pretty quickly if you're, you're moving in a direction in which you will have good relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ or not. Um, do you spend more of your time with friends from high school or college or work? Um, maybe people you've met through uh, social, uh, you know, organizations or something like that, but not necessarily Christian. Well, they influence you. Everyone you spend time with influences you one way or the other. Now, do you want to be influenced all the time by that, or do you want to be influenced by the people who know truth? And again, getting at this thing that Laura said, and I want to come back, is the only way you're really ever going to take and and absorb righteous counsel is if you are in a relationship with people who can give it. That's the first thing. Second one was a thing I wanted to kind of talk about, and we haven't really even said, which is this whole sin of counting your assets. How many times has Satan attacked me and Pathway... Why aren't we a megachurch? Now, a megachurch. Why don't we have three or four or five thousand people? Now, as ludicrous as it sounds, when it comes out of my mouth, people think that, right? Why aren't we bursting with people? Why aren't our coffers overflowing with millions of dollars? Um, Here's my point. You know, why why aren't there? You know, why isn't everyone from the service in here learning about the Bible? Why is it only ten or twenty percent? Which, by the way, you all get gold stars. Some key places are big because they, they say what the people want to hear, not what they should hear. And I think, I think that gets at it, Lorna. But I think the, even, the more root issue here is, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people, right? <clears throat> I, I would point you to Jesus. How many people, think about this, if you know the New Testament, remember all the people that Jesus interacted with over his life. Thousands of people he fed, right? The feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. Um, the healing, the people who there were so many people coming to be healed by him that they had to lower people through holes in roofs to get the crippled and, 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 and sick people to him. The massive number of people that followed Jesus throughout his life. Acts, the book of Acts records that when Jesus finally died and rose from the grave and the church began, how many people were actually Christians that we think were on earth? You say before Pentecost? Yeah
1: wasn't there like 70 people in the upper
2: room
0: there's a number given in the new testament a little bit higher not much 120. there are there were 120 people after all of that who who according to the bible you could count as believers of christ now if that doesn't shock you it should it's not the numbers. And I think that's what I struggle with as a leader, right, of the church or of certain programs. I'm like, why aren't we more you know, popular? Why don't we have more people? And I am convicted by 2 Samuel 24, and I'm going to leave us with that today, that at the end of the day, God is telling me, God is telling me, Brian, I don't care how many people are in your class. I don't care how many people are following you on your podcast. I don't care how many people are in that kind of does not doesn't. How many people are in the service, right? What he's saying is, make your offering acceptable and pleasing to God. I want you to be the best Brian you can be. I want you to be the best Rodney you can be, the best Ken or Laura you
3: can be.
1: I think when you're thinking about chapter 24, he says, think about chapter 23, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like when you're like feeling bad, like, oh, why aren't these people coming or whatever? Think about chapter 23. This guy stood with one sword and he killed the whole field of people because yeah. God was with him. It's he's like if you think about 24, think about 23 instead.
5: Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like oh you want to go count the you know, 2 million people, don't forget about
0: the 30 that That's I gave it. it. That's it. All right. We'll end on that note. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week.